I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven Not sure if I'm dead cause I think this is heaven Now forget what he said and listen to me What you really wanna do is stack those RBs You can be Linda, just let me be frank Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank One says it's awful, the other says it's great It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in episode 45 of the Dynasty Debates coming at you hot off the press. I am your humble host as always, Evan Brown, the humblest host in the biz. You can catch me on Twitter at FFEvanLution, like like Revolution, but with my name, Evan. Welcome to the Evanlution. You can follow the show at Dynasty Debates. You can drop an email, dynastydebates at gmail.com. There are many, many ways you can get involved, get in touch, let me know how you're enjoying the show, the prospects, etc. I hope you've been enjoying this series, building the big board, getting ready for those rookie drafts. We have another amazing guest on for you now. He is no stranger to the Dynasty Debates. He has been on before. It is, of course, Peter Howard himself at PA Howdy on Twitter. Definitely give him a follow if you don't already. He's a senior writer at DLF. Um, he does many important things like hosting the Dynasty Crossroads and blowing people's minds with his analytical takes. So definitely, definitely check him out. He is one of my favorite um, analytical based analysts, I guess, for lack of a better term. There's probably a better way of saying that, but I'm not sure what it is. But yeah, he's he's going to be a lot of fun to have on the show this week. Guys, we are going to be diving into some running back sleepers that we missed out on the first covering of running backs. But first and foremost, we're going to do a little introduction episode. So it's just talking to Peter, getting a little insight into his sort of process when it comes to scouting rookies and just some general analytics talk. Um, so I hope you enjoy that introduction and stick with us this week when we hit some running back sleepers. It's going to be a good time. Something is wrong with you. I got a fever. Adam himself could not resist the temptation of rookie fever. It is a good day. It is a good day in Northern Ireland. The sun was out. It was sunny. There was actually a slight bit of warmth to it. It is a good day. Peter Howard is back again. He has graced the podcast before, and we did not scare him off sufficiently. So he's back again for more punishment. <laughs> he's here talking prospects. We're going to be talking some sleepers. So we've been hitting a lot of running backs. We've been hitting a lot of wide receivers. Now we're getting down and dirty, and we're going to talk. We're going to just sift through the garbage to see what we can find here, see if we can find something useful for our rosters. But first and foremost, Peter, thank you so much for coming on again. How the heck are you, bud? I'm pretty good, man. Thanks for having me back on. Uh, hoping you can scale a little bit more this time. Um, yeah, appreciate the nice things you said. Absolutely. Um, like I said, I genuinely do mean that. You know, I, I would say like you're my favorite sort of analytics-based um, analyst out there. I really enjoy your process. I enjoy your humor. I enjoy the fact that you don't take yourself too seriously, but you are really smart. Um, I really, really do appreciate and respect <laughs> your work. So it's really fun to um, to have you on. It's really, it's really great, man. Like I really appreciate it. I. Uh, just real quick before we dive into this, obviously you come at it from such a different perspective than someone like me would come at it from. Um, what's your sort of, you know, in, in a nutshell, what would you sort of, when it comes to rookie drafts and rookie season, like how, how do you sort of go about compiling your list or, or what roughly are you looking for or trying to rule out when it comes to um, deciding how to spend those valuable rookie picks? I, I just use a really complicated model to perfectly predict how everyone's going to do in the NFL. I just use that. Now, um, 
basically my process is I try and find something that seems to have some signal that it indicates a player's ability to play in the NFL. Running back's a little more difficult because running back's are so opportunity-based. Like, And honestly, even at wide receiver, at this level, if you were to tell me that every player had ever played in the NFL and never had a top-five season was actually capable of a lot more, I would believe you. It's such a high level of competition, and these players are all such uniquely skilled individuals. Like, I can accept that. But there are some things in what they do in college and their statistics that seem to have a connection to how well they perform in the NFL. And so I use those rather than the ones that have weaker connections. And that all sounds complicated, but essentially I'm trying to find the numbers that seem to tell you if they're playing above average in college. And then I compare players on those numbers to past prospects. I just know how similar they did to previous players who have gone on to do well in the NFL. Now, obviously, players can be successful in a few different ways, so it gets a little bit more complicated there. Um, but that's the process. How well do they compare in the things that previous players have done well at before going on to do well at the NFL? Um, and then pretty much I look over their production to see how they made their, how they made their numbers um, and so what type of role or fit or scheme, getting good numbers but don't deserve it um, per game leads to most of those evil sins at wide receiver. Um, at running back, uh, it tends to work the opposite, where opportunity is so key, you can get a player overperforming a marginal role. Like if you're in more of a committee, but still performing well on a per-team attempt basis, you're going to have low overall yard totals compared to past prospects. But the way in which you made those yards was pretty impressive compared to past prospects, which may will make more sense when we start talking about an example. And I'm never quite sure what to do with those guys, you know, the guys who played in more of a committee in college but i do know to note them right and that these players seem to be performing well in a more limited role and if they could find a path to opportunity either through draft capital or a landing spot that makes them more interesting so yeah it's it's really simple process just figure out which numbers actually seem to matter a little bit and then see how well players compared and and from there on i do have a a pre-draft and a post-draft model but unlike most nerds, I don't think I'm going to solve NFL prospect evaluation if I just grind hard enough. I did for a long time. Um, and now I've come to accept basically using my eyes but on statistics seems to be more helpful to me. Just as look at the progression of a college player's career, check out the context, who was playing on the depth chart, who wasn't, and where that conference was. I can't find decent adjustments. Like everyone wants to team and conference adjust numbers. I can't find those adjustments actually make the model or my reading of them more accurate. So it's resulted in me saying, well, I just, I just don't think that's a thing. I think however the team and conference level of competition is interacting with these players or vice versa, I don't think I can find a way of, you know, adjusting for that. It's a simple word. Um, but I can take into the, account the relevant context, listen to the people actually watching their performance, like Zach Reed and yourself, and try to make the best estimation I can of how well they'll fit in the NFL. So it's a really simple process said in about, uh, you know, how long was that? Way too long, uh, way too many <laughs> words. Um, so yeah, I'm somewhere between a nerd and a fake nerd, I guess, pure fake nerd, but that's that's it in a nutshell. The, the stat I like, particularly for running back, by the way, athleticism and combine staff stuff matters a tiniest little bit 
for running back, but I still find it majoritively factored into draft capital. Um, and mostly the stat that I like is called adjusted yards per team attempt, which is adjusting a player's yards by how much volume the team was giving out. So if you were getting a thousand yards, but the team is rushing a million times, that's less impressive than if you get 500 yards and the team rushes a hundred times, which is entirely, I don't know why I didn't just think of a real example. Those are terrible fictional examples. Um, But that's essentially what it does. It adjusts it by how much volume the team is actually putting out um, and then gives extra boost to receiving yards. So it just times as receiving yards by two before running that simple division calc. And I like it because you can do it just with basic stats that you'll find anywhere. The total yards and the number of times the team ran or passed the ball. It's real simple. It's pretty intuitive if you just think about it for a second. Um, And it does have some signal. Uh, I can't find great... Like with wide receivers, we do a lot with age, like comparing them to past prospects playing at similar age. I can't find a lot of faith in that at running back. And I think it's because it's so opportunity driven. It's Miles Sanders playing behind Saquon Barkley. I mean, there's a reason you're not doing much behind Saquon Barkley, right? Um, and running back is so much more prone or suffers from that, perhaps, that um, I don't think age matters as much. It might, but we don't see them play enough times at the same age. So we can't. I can't find a good way of adjusting for it. Um, but And so with running back, I tend towards just looking at the best season they had. But I do like to put it in that context of how their career progressed. It is good to know who was Christian McCaffrey and was the guy on day one and dominated. And who was the Miles Sanders? Or this year, a good example that we're not going to talk about because he's not a sleeper, is the Alabama running back who played behind Najee Harris. Like, I think there's a quintessential difference between having to wait for Najee Harris to leave and Najee Harris, especially because Najee Harris just kind of had a lot better stats anyway. But um, I still want—I still like to know that that last year when he got the job, that's the best year to judge him on. You know what I mean? It, it's different, but still it's, it's not terrible. It's not as terrible as if you were a wide receiver and had to wait for everyone else to leave. Sorry, if you don't interrupt me, which is difficult with the lag, I just keep talking. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to shut up now for a second. No, it's that's that's perfect because um, no, I, I really like you know I like again. This is another reason why you know you're one of my favorite, if not my favorite, you know, kind of analytics slanted analysts out there is because you're totally fine embracing you know sort of variance and talking about the fact of you know that there aren't these hard and fast rules even with analytics and stuff like that, you know, that there are exceptions to the rules and that there are nuance to um, player profiles and things like that. I love that you brought up Brian Robinson Jr. as an example, because, you know, for me, I mean, I forgot uh, his name. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It. I knew who you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Robinson Jr. You know, for me on my, you know, film score, I think he came out as like RB five or six in this class, you know, but I know a lot of people hate him and don't want to talk about him and think he's rubbish. And, nah, you know, I but I think, the same range. yeah, I think he's actually really good when he got the opportunity and i think to your point that makes a lot of sense especially for running backs because a lot of college teams tend to have one maybe two guys doing most of the work so if you're behind a really good player why would they you know push you up ahead of them so yeah no i mean it makes a lot of sense and you've already mentioned obviously one of the stats that you really like so with that stat then the um the sorry what was it? it was a yards per team you take their yards, you divide it by the number of passing and rushing attempts. So it's yards per team attempt. We can come okay. up with a fancy acronym or a better name. I'm sure someone will, and they'll make millions. I just, I, yeah, I don't do well at naming things. <laughs> yards per team no, attempt. I mean, I, I think that that kind of stuff's fascinating to me. You know, like all the different 
because there's so many different variances of like all these different stats that people break down and get into the nitty gritty with. Like, obviously that's one of your favorites. Is there any others like all, you know, just as there two or three that you could sort of explain or, or maybe like expand on slightly just to say these couple really matter to me when I'm looking, especially maybe in running backs, something that I really look out for more than, you know, others or, you know, cause obviously when people think analytics that don't know analytics, they think like BMI and things like that, you know, and there's a lot of mm-hmm. stuff in there that, probably you don't even think about or talk about or you don't care about um what are sort of some key things if you don't have you know if you have just even one or two examples of of stats or or metrics that maybe you really do care about that people can at least be aware of and kind of you know trying to be cognizant of when they're looking at their own process yeah i can talk about that for about four hours um no but really honestly uh, adjusted yards for team attempt is about what i do adjusted yards for team attempt is my primary stat the rest i use more as context stats because they don't have as much signal and i don't want to use something that's borrowing signal to put it in very simplistic terms like we're i don't want to go into covariance here because uh, i barely understand it but essentially like think well think of the combine the combine is quintess is the way I've been describing it this offseason is it's really important. Like the senior ball. Senior ball is a great one. Actually, let's talk about something not everyone talks about in this context. The senior ball is so important for players and coaches. They get to meet for the first time. They get to see them, ask them to do things, have an interview. The players get to demonstrate some of their skills directly in front of the eyes that matter. It is incredibly important. They maybe get to be coached by the people who will draft them in the NFL. They say that's one of the things that happened with Debo Samuel. It's amazing. For our purposes, it means very little after the draft. Um, If you're looking at it through an analytic point of view, because what you're doing is essentially taking what they learned from the the, the, uh, senior bowl and then adjusted where they wanted to draft them with and then counting it again. You're saying, well, they drafted him in the third round and he was good in the senior bowl, but that's already in the, the draft capital. We don't know where. We can't sig- slice out a certain part of their draft capital based on the senior point. I mean, maybe one day. But um, we do know that they use that to make their decision. So is it good to know they play well at the senior bowl? Yeah, especially before the draft. That tells us a lot about what might happen. And people are out there predicting draft capital and predicting who will go where and what fits. So it's useful. But if I were to stick it in a model or try to do something with senior bowl performance, essentially I will be double counting it. And that's the way I usually explain uh, a fancy and nerd term. You're just, you're looking at it twice and thinking it's better than it is because you're just doubling it up and with no real signal that's useful. So there are pl- plenty of other stats that are useful. I mostly use them as context stats because you don't always know where they're crossing over. Uh, frankly, we've only got so many stats. There's yards, there's touchdowns, there's receptions, there's rushing attempts, and they're all getting rolled into these models and if you in, into these statistics. And if you try to conjoin them, then you might be double counting something. Now, most nerd models, again, I count for that. I'm not saying everyone's model is covariance or anything, um, but that's my simple understanding of it. And so I mostly use adjusted yards per team attempt, and then I try and find ways to make it better. I do. I go and look at team adjustments and conference adjustments, and I've got one that's really interesting right now, but I haven't found useful, which is adjusting by experience, because late breakouts and senior declares is a big thing for wide receivers. So what about if we compare them instead of age to if they're freshmen or sophomen or seniors? But so far, I haven't made it any better than it is as just adjusted yards per team attempt. There are some other stats though, that I do like to use more prime, more just to get a sense of who they are. And one is, well, inherent in the fact that adjusted yards per team attempt, what it is, is it's doubling up the receiving yards because receiving usage 
is really important for fantasy. Maybe not in the NFL, probably not, but we get a lot of points from that. Whether you're playing in a PPR league or not, a lot of points come from receiving yards. And so that becomes really important. And that's why adjusting that yards per team attempt actually has use. We could probably adjust it better than just by doubling it up, but it'd probably take an actual nerd to figure out how. And like people have tried that with weighted dominator and stuff. But anyway, um, not to get too off point. So the ones that I like to look at a lot are the receiving stats. How many times did they catch the ball? Zach Reed, an actual film grinder, just likes to look at the number of times they caught 20 passes. He finds that a pretty good delineation from a guy who just can't catch a ball because these guys can all catch balls. I mean, they're more athletic than me, and I don't know if you believe me, but I've caught a ball before now. I'm pretty sure they're capable, but 20 receptions to him just seems like a nice delineation in terms of a player catching the ball sometimes and a player being used more intentionally in the receiving game. And if coaches go and watch that, then when they draft him, they think he can do that, and therefore they're more likely to use him in the receiving game. So. You could draw lines wherever you like. Threshold stats like Zach has just for over and under 20 receptions. Did he do that twice? The percentage of receiving yards is a good one because we're used to looking at it for wide receivers. All those are really good context stats. I also like to look at versions of what's most commonly known as like college dominator or rushing dominator or weighted dominator. There are a whole bunch of dominators out there. But essentially what it comes down to is how much of the team's offense were you? What's the percentage of times you were the guy instead of, you know, you got a whole team around you and there's a lot of players on it. And so those who are dominating opportunities more are more likely to be the guy, the talented guy. Now, that's where people want to adjust by team conference and situation. But so far, I haven't done that. But it is good to go and look at, like, I've got position opportunities. So the percentage of running back opportunities a player was getting over year of year, not to compare him necessarily to his teammates, but that does tell me who was more or larger role, but also just to see like, even in a scheme that likes to use more multiple running backs, which could limit a player, which is why something like adjusted yards per team attempt is good for those. I, I think those kind of players to show that they were more productive than average in that secondary role. Secondary is, it's not hierarchical. It's just a different role. But um, it can also just tell you uh, who is – so there can be some confusion there in that a team just might like to use a running back. Like Iowa State, for example, is a huge running back school. I happen to know because I've looked at enough of the running backs. So they're more typically funneling more touches into the running back position. And so you can get some context from that. Do they usually have a running back that has 60% of the overall touches at the position? And this year they've got one that's got 70 that's really interesting. Maybe this guy in particular just dominated touches because uh, of what he was doing. And so I, I think percentage of touches, percentage of yards rolled from both the receiving yards and uh, rushing yards into a single per simple percentage stat can give you a lot of context for who this guy was, especially when you understand something of the team history, which I rarely do because I do nothing with college outside of prospect evaluation. But it does give me interesting questions to go ask those like Travis Travis May uh, of Rotoviz or uh, Foster Kane from DLF, our own Devi guy, and say, is this usual for that team? I could go look at the history, but you already know. And, and was it just particular because of this year, their talent? And so they normally know off the top of their heads. And so I like positional opportunity percentage and rush uh, and yards percentages as well, or even just a dominator. And 
player who stands out in that this year is Isaiah Spiller. Incredibly productive, very above average on like a per team attempt basis. You can see why some people are just over the moon about him. He's very clearly talented, I think. But then you look at his position opportunities and just his basic dominator stats, and he was a smaller part of the overall offensive game, even for that team's history. And I don't think that makes him worse. Ray GQ's out there singing uh, praises, and he's a huge Debbie guy, um, of how talented this player is. And you can see it in his adjusted yards per team attempt. But most players who go on to have top 12 seasons are these huge parts of their offense. You know, they're 50, 60% of the entire offense in terms of touches or yards. And Isaiah Spiller wasn't. Does that mean he's bad? I definitely don't know that, but I do know that's different, right? And so someone like Brees Hall, who has both the adjusted yards per team attempt and this percentage of opportunity and touches, just makes him look more like past players who have gone on to do well. And so Spiller comes under Hall um, for me. It's not like I'm defining Spiller is not... I don't know what talent is, but I can see what I describe as the wake of talent, like good players do this. And so the things that are random, the way they're moving touches on their team, the way the team's yards is funneling to them in a similar way, I can see the effects of what those talented players being defined as those who have fantasy significance for us later um, actually produced. And for me, Paul did more of that than Spiller. Does Definitely doesn't mean he can't, both can't do well or Spiller can't do better than Hall for us, frankly. Um, but it's a way for me to not think I'm a genius and I know how great they are, especially when, like, I literally, I watch football and I have no idea, like, they all look good to me. They look pretty impressive. But it gives me, as just a moron trying to figure out how to make better fantasy decisions, something that's reasonable that I have to make the fewest assumptions because assumptions are where I find I start to mess up. Like, I think I know, so I'm going to make this decision um, to compare, to use to rank players and decide which player I want more, who looks more similar to most players that go on to do well for us. And um, yeah, should probably stop talking. Maybe. I hope you enjoyed that introduction to Peter. If you've never heard him before and his process, he is a fascinating guy, really smart. And hopefully he, I did a good enough job of teasing out some of his process for you to get an idea of what you're in for this week, which is an absolute treat. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to stop it there. It kept going, but I'm trying to make these episodes short and very easy to digest. So I'm going to cut it there and we're going to pick up again tomorrow or the next day with some actual prospect talk, some sleepers that we're going to get into. So join us then. I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver ran, it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a Dynasty debate.